0: Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information, and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 23 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. Today, we're taking a little turn. I originally had a whole bunch of S words, and maybe not the ones you might expect. But in a conversation with some of my colleagues more recently, we were talking about the process of exploration, and it led to a really fruitful and curious discussion, and that second word actually just sprung up right there. And so that is where I'd like to go today. And just bearing in mind that sometimes the topics of most interest, of most benefit that are meant to be in the moment simply present themselves, and it's up to us to remain open to them. As you might have noticed, the Conversations episodes have returned. I'll be releasing another one concurrently with this episode and then every Tuesday for the next few weeks. I'm always open to guests on the This Osteopathic Life podcast. So if you are ever interested in sharing your story and sharing how the osteopathic principles come through or seeing how they come through, that's one of the great gifts I have is being able to bring that through with my guests and hearing their story contact me, thisosciobioticlife, at gmail.com. And with that, let's set forth into exploration. Now, as you know, if you've been with me for previous episodes, we'll always begin with the words themselves and the definition. What actually is intended? What was that word designed to communicate, to convey to us? Let's look at some of the options for explore, to investigate, Study or analyze. Notice that. Notice the in depth, the critical thinking that is involved and is intended. Analysis. So we're not just observing something passively, but it's very active. We're going toward, we're digging deep into the details of, we're investigating. And when I hear that word, what comes up for me is the idea of having a hypothesis. So we may be going in with an expectation of what it is we're going to find. And what I hear in that as well is a sense of an agenda. Now, agenda is a word that has been co-opted. In some spaces, it still has a lot of great positive meanings. Right? It means we're organized. We set the tone for what to expect. We have a plan that we can follow. that's a framework that's structured for optimal function. All great things. Agenda can also mean that we are imposing our will our requests, our desires on someone or something else, we're having a should come into play. And there's an S word that will likely have shown up in the episode, and I'm sure it will appear in the future as well. But we're saying, this is what I'm expecting to happen. And what often occurs from there is we find the evidence to support it. Now, to be fair, Many hypotheses are disproved, so that attempt, that investigation, that study, that analysis goes out and doesn't find the information to support it. But many times, right, we operate from a space of confirmation bias, so we go and we seek the resources that are going to tell us that what we initially thought to be true, hoped to be true, considered could be true, does actually prove to be true. And there are many checks and balances in the system, and we could get into many more episodes on science and how it is utilized and what's appropriate. There's the book, How to Lie with Statistics, right? So there are conversations, dialogues, opinions, perceptions, experiences on both sides of the spectrum. But for here today, what I want to consider is that explore is often expectation driven. And we can see even those opening few letters of both of those words are common. They are shared, explore, and expectation. You go in anticipating finding something, right? So you might be finding a certain destination, finding a certain resource, finding a certain person, finding a certain way of being. When you are exploring, you have a bit of the end in mind. And you might have some of the between as well, but you at least have some idea of what it is you're heading toward. Now, thinking about earlier explorers in the world and thinking about that sense of confirmation bias when they set out expecting to find some certain landmass in some certain part of the world by their understanding, and when they arrived at a landmass, they simply found the ways to tell themselves that it was what they expected to find. And it can be hard to marry the reality of what you have actually found, right, you could say discovered, happened upon, however you want to phrase that, and what you expect to find. and when there's a discrepancy between there, what do you make that discrepancy mean? Were you aiming for the wrong thing? Have you found what it is you were looking for, but does it look very different, so your expectations were absolutely not met, Did you not find the thing you were looking for at all? You've taken a totally different course, an unexpected detour, and you have landed somewhere, but it's somewhere other than where you were aiming. And now you have to rationalize with yourself if that's okay, if you can simply accept this to be the new space, if you reroute and search again for that which you were seeking. And if the space is, the actual destination where you were aiming and I'm using this and we could think about location and landmass, but I'm using that destination also if it's in a relationship, if it's in a job, if it's in a way of being right? you have an expectation, you explore, you aim to find it, you arrive there and then it doesn't look anything like what you expected. And it's up to you to then say, wow, did I just have a very different picture? Right? And the reality simply looks quite different is this the space? Can I recheck those points in the map? And did I actually land where I intended to be? And then take a moment and think about what it means to be an explorer. And if automatically your brain says Dora behind that or in front of it, I'm with you. As I had to identify explorers, people who took an explorative approach to life, that was one that came through. But thinking that is the explorer always aiming for something is there a point on the map is there a plan in their life is there a person with whom they're interacting to which they are headed right are they intentionally mapping out a course to take them there and thinking about exploring not necessarily in getting to the destination but what you do when you arrive there right to investigate study analyze and so then being in that space is there the opportunity to simply be, right, to be present, to be engaged, to be part of the community, to be part of the experienced, or right, is it a space where there is a lot of analysis of what it's like to be there? And those are different things. And I'm sharing this with you from my own space of being a relatively analytical person. I've talked with you a little bit about the hyper-rational self and a lot of the why and Why is it like this? And how could it be? And what could we do to modify? And what's happening? Rather than simply being in the experience with less of that dialogue. So think about that. If you're taking that explorer mindset, when is it helping you? When is it opening up the horizon? When is it supporting you into the brave steps of moving toward the unknown? Even if you do have an idea, if it's land you haven't traveled before, which is generally what we think of when we think of exploration. Right? This is new traversing of space and it allows you to look at what it is that's in front of you and take in the various details but are you doing so through that lens of critical and we can think about that as in thoughtful and discerning or in the way of criticizing right having that lens of what it should be and then is it possible for whatever you find to even be satisfactory to meet your expectations? Because they are so fixed, they are so lofty, whatever it might be. And that doesn't mean you can't have high expectations or very specific ways that you want something to be, but it simply offers you the opportunity to recognize that and to recognize the influence and the impact of engaging that way. Explore also offers up the definition to become familiar with by testing or experimenting. And here's a space where we can take whatever it is that we have found wherever we are in our lives, whomever it is we are with, right, and see that. And then that latter example, you can feel automatically, ooh, that could get tricky, testing and experimenting. And there certainly could be this ulterior motive sense around that of, oh, you were testing me, right, and that's not okay. We shouldn't be testing one another. But thinking of it in so much as gathering data, information, and knowing that. as we talked about in the past, intention and impact and seeing when they match and when they don't and how we adjust accordingly, that we're kind of always testing everything. And I think about that concept of trial and error and I shift it to trial and information because we are always, we are out in the world in a constant experiment. We never know how someone or something is going to react to us. Now we are given a fair amount of information all the time and we get to decide what we do with that. We could look at the shifts in climate right, and recognize that we have been in a testing space. We are experimenting with the world around us, and we can continue to gather and synthesize the information and do with it what we will. Right? We are getting the information back. The results are coming in all the time from the environment around us, and we are then tasked to shift our testing to different practices. We could say better practices. I would simply say New practices that give us different information that we can then shift what we're doing as well. Knowing that in relationships, we're always testing, and it doesn't have to be from a space of catching someone out, but simply that we are humans interacting with other humans, and there are a lot of variables there. There are moods and experiences, and there is past success, and there is past trauma, and all that is coming together. And what we're getting are results. We're getting answers. We're getting feedback. We're getting information. And again, I've shared with you, hyper-rational person. So there is a tendency toward the analysis piece. We can also simply be in the space of testing on putting out, emitting our own energy and feelings and getting that back and seeing, oh, when I do this, this is the response from that. These are the feelings that ensue. And that's really been a place of exploration for me, is to recognize that other people don't necessarily operate from the thought analytical space, but they're having a very big emotive, energetic feeling experience. And that's the way in which they're engaging in this tester human experiment in which we are all participating, right? Consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, intentionally, reluctantly, enthusiastically. We are part of gathering information all the time looking at something for diagnostic purposes. Now, here on This Osteopathic Life, I am a physician. Many of my guests have been physicians. Maybe all of them. I'll have to look back. And many of my listeners are physicians. Most of us have been a patient at one point or another in our lives. And so exploration is also gathering information for diagnostic purposes. Now, if we take the osteopathic view on that, are we always only finding the quote-unquote wrong or problematic or pathologic thing. And that, again, is not a problem in medicine, identifying what the challenges to the system are, where the function is not optimal. What a pathology might be can be very beneficial and allow for understanding, allow for appropriate treatment, allow for integration to encourage the body and the whole of the physiology back to health, absolutely. But what if we could take that view of exploration and examination for diagnostic purposes of the health and simply say, what is working so well here? We had an episode previously of what is well with you, what is right with you, instead of that what is wrong with you inquiry that we often ask. And perhaps there's room for both. I'm not saying we abandon diagnostics and pathologies and even the codes, right? That's the way we have to communicate in the current world. And we could talk about insurance and healthcare reform in a lot of different ways, not saying that's off the table, but in the present system in which we are operating, there's room for that and what would it look like to explore with the health in mind, to explore with that as the destination, and how could confirmation bias perhaps support optimizing health? Not saying it's not real, but saying it helps bring to the forefront that which is most functional in a system. We look at explore as to make or conduct a systematic search. And I think of that, again, simply from the physical exam standpoint. And I think as we are in this early part of the academic year, when we first have medical students on campus and we're teaching them the physical exam, we're teaching them the osteopathic structural exam component of the physical exam, and it is systematic. We do things in the same way so that we catch when things don't match that original plan, right? We have established a normal, and again, that word can be heated in many ways, but we have baseline physiologic findings that we expect, right, when we palpate, when we listen, when we observe, and when something doesn't match. It doesn't always have to mean there's a significant problem. There's there's room for a lot of variety in all the different people in the world, and right, there are baseline typical findings, and when something doesn't match, it can cue us in to pay a little closer attention, to explore more deeply there, to investigate, study, and analyze that component, and see what information it is giving us. And many times it might be a nothing, right? Just a unique way that this person is presenting. And sometimes it might be very much a something and the body giving us information on how to be more helpful and supportive for this individual. So I'd like to invite us all, myself included, to think about explore and to notice how we explore and to check in to see if there is an agenda guiding it and to see if that's a problem or if that's helpful and useful in guiding the course to see if we're willing to reroute to notice what happens when we arrive at the destination and if we have excitement satisfaction disappointment and why what the expectation was and why it was set that way where did we get the information that painted the picture we had in our mind and when the reality is realized why does it have to not match or if it doesn't match why does it have to be a problem And what opportunities do we have in there? And why this even came to be, and I share with you early on, the other word we're going to use as a comparison or a reference point is curious or curiosity. So thinking about what it means to be an explorer, we're setting that baseline, and then thinking about what it means to be curious. And many times we can use them interchangeably, but I would suggest, again, because words matter, that maybe there's more room for nuance than we have originally offered up, and what it might mean if we approach each of these a bit more thoughtfully, maybe not analytically or with an agenda necessarily, but just seeing the difference. And just take a moment, as always, if you can, you can close your eyes if you're safe, if you're not walking, biking, driving, or simply in your mind's eye, with your eyes open and viewing the world around you, think about explore. And think about exploration, explorative, and how that feels in your body. What do you do when you are exploring? And for me, I can tend to lean in more and get real close, especially if I think about the investigate, study, analyze. And then let's shift that for a moment. Take note, again, of what yours might be. might look very different than mine. And then move toward curious. And for me, when I'm in that state of being curious, it's much more of a sitting back. It's a head tilt if you ever... Look at those pictures of dogs or have your own pet with my original puppy, my childhood dog. She had the best head tilt, right? You' usually come if you're offering her something, but it looked like a curiosity. Like, what'd you say? What does that mean? What do you have available for me? So that head tilt comes up when I think about curiosity, and I lean back. It's more open and receptive. It's less active in agenda and forward, and it's more taking in, more passive observing, leaning back, allowing for all possibilities not knowing where this might go and being open to whatever path appears. And we can see where both of those have a place in a space. And I also think about maybe there have been times when I have misapplied them. Perhaps there were times when there needed to be much more active exploration. We needed to have some forward focus. We needed to have an idea of where we were going. And that sometimes it was called to be more curious, to put aside some of that analysis and allow whatever is to be. Curiosity seems that it lends itself to that space of being rather than seeing what it's like to be in the being. So if we look at the definitions associated with curiosity, the first is a desire to know. And this one we have talked about know, capital Ks and lowercase k's and facts and being right versus that inner sense of knowing. And so this one is so interesting to me. Because the way it's written, desire to know, can feel a bit agenda-driven. I must know. Get used to disappointments, if you can't follow that quote. (laughs) You may not be with me in my living conceivable world, but I think many of you will. And what if simply it is a desire to know more, and a desire to know gently, and a desire to know from a space of understanding rather than of being right? So thinking about that allowing space. There's also curiosity as an inquisitive interest in others' concerns. Interesting, the subtext of this one comes up as nosiness. Now, we could have all kinds of thoughts about that. And absolutely, when it's knowing beyond your business, right, digging into someone else's private affairs versus being a very effective, a very thoughtful question asker. And this did come up as we looked to those explorer examples. And the wife of Dr. Huff, Pat Huff, who was the opening episode, memorial podcast episode, my mentor, my colleague, earliest on in my practice, she is the most effective, curious explorer in social settings, in group or private. She's amazing at asking questions and gaining insight and helping you gain insight into who you are and how you are and where you are and your relationships. And I think about that, it never felt prying, it never feels prying or too much. It really feels like a genuine curiosity to know more for the sake of connection, for the sake of inviting that person to share from a more wholesome, deep space within. And I've always aspired to that, to be effective at asking these questions and invite others to share their experience in a way that's absolutely comfortable for them and within the frame of reference that works for their boundaries and their sense of being, but also invites them to think, wow, I never put those two connections together and I didn't realize I was doing this because of that which happened to me before. So I invite you to think of who in your life is a really curious investigator. Then I think about the next part of the definition, interest leading to inquiry. And we can think about that just as we talked about now in that conversation between, but also asking questions about what's going on in the world around you. And I think about, of course, that toddler time of whys. Why? You answer the question and you aren't met with a thank you or a response other than why? Tell me more. And opening that up, what could be the benefit of that open-ended curiosity? In the practice of coaching, and truly for me, in the practice of medicine in the osteopathic way that made sense for me in that space, was to remain ever curious. How might that be connected? What else was happening at that time? When did this first begin? Why do you think that it's so challenging? What might be part of the solution? Where have you felt the most you? All the different ways we can open up these questions, allow that curiosity to lead the way looking at curious in the Alice in Wonderland way, one that arouses interest, especially for uncommon or exotic characteristics. And describing something as curious, unusual, unexpected, right? And I love that curiouser and curiouser when things around you are unfolding ways you might not have anticipated. And so interesting there to see or explore, and we had these expectations and we were wanting something, really, if we're being honest about it, to look some certain way, and then it doesn't, right? Rather than saying it was wrong, we could just say, well, that's curious, right? And that allows us to also think about, well, why is it like that? And what does that mean? And what else is there for us to learn and discover here? I think about curious in that unexpected space. And we could look at that as the opposite, right, of expectations or agenda. And just this past weekend, we went for a bike ride, And it was a very sunny day, the hottest day of the summer. There were minimal clouds in the sky, a few did creep in, and then all of a sudden it was raining. And not just a few drops, like a lot of rain, a near downpour, I might say. And my daughter, with whom I was biking, simply said, Hmm, well, that was unexpected. And I think, right, had we had the dialogue and the dialect of Alice in Wonderland, it probably would have been a statement to the effect of, That was curious. And we could think, I wonder why that happened. And that seemed like an unusual way for the rain to present because it really wasn't overcast. Although, in retrospect, I remembered, right, two minutes prior to that, thinking how it smells different, right? It was a hot and a dry day. And all of a sudden, the air shifted and there's this slightly different smell. And it was because we were biking when we were moving our way toward this rain zone. we were under the cloud for this very brief moment. And so, If I had been perhaps more curious about what that meant, maybe I would have sussed it out before it happened. Or I was simply curious internally and allowing whatever to be, to be, allowing myself to be in that moment. And then it opened up in that new way. So if we think about curious, see if it does allow you to be more open, to ask questions, not because you're seeking a particular answer, not because... You must know to know and to be right and to be informed even. But to know from a space of understanding and of connection and of opportunity to see how seemingly unrelated things come together and how certain moments in our lives can have impact. And I think of that on the clinical level. There were so many times when offering up just that other question or holding that space to see the timeline in a new way and to see these connections that we could get to the source of the challenge, right, that diagnostic, that exploration goal result that we had with the patient by staying curious. So there's absolutely room for both of those. And sometimes it is because we expect things to be some way that we don't notice that relationship between them. And if we can allow curiosity To be the gel, kind of the fiber between that tapestry that is holding our focus and our aim alongside an openness for whatever possibilities might emerge, we may be surprised at the difference in experience that we have in the allowance for satisfaction at multiple versions of the same destination or arrival to a destination other than that to which we were aiming, not to be a problem, a detour perhaps, but not in a negative way, simply in an enriching and opportunistic way. So as we set forth into this week, I challenge you to check in with your explorer, to see what your body language is around that, to see what your agenda might be, to notice your analytical self and to celebrate it we're not trying to shift or change anything. We're simply working on noticing it. And then I invite you to welcome your curious self. And to see how sometimes sitting back and noticing and asking and allowing for any response to be okay can make connections you never expected. And to see how they might work in concert for your own benefit. So thank you for joining me for this episode, for listening each week. Tune in for the conversations. Join in and be one of the conversations. Practice being where you are. Let it be okay when you sometimes do analyze what it's like to be where you are. And embrace all aspects of you. The explorer, the curious. He who is looking for health, she who is in the health, they who recognize health in all that they see. This is Dr. Millie Beeke with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.